On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with Dr. Ryan Sultan about trauma, trauma therapies, and empowerment. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Dr. Ryan Sultan. How are you? I'm good. It's nice and sunny today here in New York. It's been a change for this time of year. Well, we're having a snowstorm right now here in Toronto, but I'm happy that you're in a sunny place. And today we're going to talk about trauma all things related to trauma as a whole, as a broad topic. And we're also going to talk about the different types of therapies for trauma as well. And for those of you that don't know who you are, you're a psychiatrist. You specialize in trauma and its psychological impacts. Completed your undergraduate studies at Trinity College, Hartford, followed by a medical degree from Drexel University College of Medicine. Postgraduate journey includes fellowships at the New York Presbyterian Hospital and Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. Thank you for being here with us today. And I guess I'm going to pass it off to you as, you know, let's talk about trauma. What is trauma and go from there? I think trauma is a really interesting and like super broad topic. Um, and it's, it's something that we've been thinking about in the field of mental health for a long time. You know, I think it starts at this idea of like, how does experiences that occur to us that, 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 um, that, that over the course of our lifetime or even before that, or even actually even our parents' lifetime, um, how can those things be sort of shaping us? And, and, and we've changed our ideas on that a lot from it used to be an idea around, well, you know, the things that happened to you in, in your childhood, the stuff that's happened to you maybe more in adulthood. We've realized the stuff that happens to you, uh, you know, before you're born, like when you're actually developing um, as a fetus and even things that happen to your parents that can turn on genes on and off. Trauma is like a broad, broad, broad topic. And then I think we can narrow it a little more to sort of what people are often talking about, kind of like big T acute trauma versus like little T chronic complex trauma, which is at its simplest kind of a differentiation between the the more original definition of PTSD, which is usually referring to like a specific life-threatening event that may have occurred to someone um most commonly people would think about uh war and you know, we used to call it shell shock um in the past where you're now reliving that experience and you feel like you're there again and you can't differentiate between that and reality um so this very specific event that's occurred to you um or set of events versus a more complex trauma which is more developmental in origin which is more our things, what has been happening to you for a period of time over and over again, perhaps usually in an interpersonal relationship um, with a close person, a romantic relationship, a family member, 
Um, and how has that actually affected you? And it's important, I think, to think about them a little bit differently because uh, one of the because the way we treat them is also different too. So, can you elaborate on the different ways of treating them? You know, you you first want to sort of think about which category you think the trauma is fitting into, um, and people can be in both categories. Um, you can have complex trauma, and you can have like an acute PTSD trauma. Um, when people talk about narcissism, which is you know a big focus for you, they're usually talking about something related to a complex trauma, something that's occurred to someone chronically over a period of time with an individual, um, and and a set of behaviors uh, that that they've engaged in that that um, has caused damage to the to the person on the receiving end of that so you know when we think about how to deal with it so the early the early ideas around trauma come from as like fernberg and kohat they're they were like the psychoanalysts in like the early 1900s and so they had a number of different ideas around like psychoanalysis and how you might like actually treat trauma and so like our first ideas about how to treat trauma came from hey can you like can we think about what's going on and understand it at a more conscious level and and then actually use that to kind of realign our mind around something in a way that that we're able to work through it um and and uh and process it so that's sort of like a classical way um those are usually what people are thinking of like if you're thinking of almost a stereotype version of psychotherapy um uh, if you've seen like a New Yorker cartoon where someone's like laying on a couch talking to like an old guy with a beard. Um, they, but, you know, things have changed and we've, we've developed a number of other things. Um, and I would I would slip them into like large categories. The one version of it is one that's really thinking about the physiology associated with trauma. So your autonomic nervous system. So think about that autonomic nervous system. Some of us may remember this from biology, idea of like a fight or flight response. There are these changes that are occurring where your stress hormones are going up, your heart rate's going up, your body is getting into this mode where it's like, hey, like I'm I'm ready to deal with whatever's coming at me. Um, it's not a state of relaxation. Um, you know, it's it's a state to deal with a crisis. Um, and from an evolutionary point of view, it's a useful thing that we we have. You know, uh, if you're uh your ancestors wandering around uh um in 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 sub-saharan africa and you like encounter like a lion or like a snake like you you want to be ready to go and handle that um uh what can occur though in in the case of trauma and this occurs in both the the acute trauma as well as for many people in in a more chronic or complex trauma is that that system um which is there to protect us uh um kind of gets hijacked by uh, chronic complex trauma that we we've had in a way that you are having these physiological responses occurring for you um, at times that that are really now inappropriate and they're problematic you feel terrible because of it right you're these are this is not a state that you want to be in for any period of time and it's actually we know from from studies that it's a very unhealthy state to stay in for any period of time. So some therapies are like, how do we handle that? How can we, how can we, we target 
can we target that actual experience in a way to help the person? So like um, somatic experiencing and like sensory motorcycle therapies are much more thinking about um, uh, the body and physiologically what's going on with you and the sensations and 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 when you're having those sensations, how are you responding to them and 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 and, and kind of reframing them in a way um, that they don't have the that they're maybe not as sort of physiologically triggering for a person. So the hyper arousal, we're trying to sort of disconnect um, the autonomic dysregulation, uh, all the sort of like like physiological things associated with it. And you can be doing mindfulness skills related to that. There's any number of things that, that we can be doing with that. And it's super helpful and effective. And I like that treatment because it's it's concentrating on like a clear biological target um, for for the person. Um, and you know, at its at its like simplest, it's essentially like how do you manage stress responses in your body? So they're actually useful for all kinds of things um, uh, outside of outside of trauma. So, so then one is sort of thinking about it physiologically. Then there's the idea of thinking about it more like cognitively. So, how do you think about your your and process your thoughts on something? So that's really like a CBT based model, a cognitive behavioral therapy model. And there are multiple psychotherapies that come out of CBT. CBT has been revised into multiple different things. So there's cognitive processing therapy, there's trauma focused CBT therapy. They're all using this cognitive behavioral model to try to like identify and reframe thoughts that you may have related to your, your, your trauma. So how can you think about something in a less distressing way um, I'll give you like a really simple example. You know, I live in New York. I'm a simple guy and I'm, I'm a single guy, you know, and I'm like trying to go out on dates. I'm on whatever app and you try to connect with someone. And, you know, I've, I've had plenty of experiences where like, it doesn't work out. Someone stops talking to you. You never connect with them, whatever. Um, and it's easy for that to be, Entry triggering to me if I feel like, oh, you know, no one's interested in me, no one wants to go out with me, I'm not likable. It's been reinforced, maybe, because, you know, like I'm in New York City, there's like this is happening all the time, everyone's super busy. So if I want to reframe that cognitively, well, instead of getting upset at the person sending some sort of dysregulated, upset message to them, getting frustrated with them, um, you know, I might be able to reframe it in my mind and say, hey, look, you know what? Like, these people don't even know me. They've never met me. I'm basically a stranger. We were trying to set up a time to meet. Um, they're busy. I'm busy, too. We didn't connect. It doesn't really have much to do with me. Um, it's not helpful for me to get stuck on that. Like, I'm just going to sort of, like, move forward with my life. And, and you know, what? if something works out with them, if I meet them in the future, maybe it'll work out. Um, so that's thinking about it cognitively. Another way is to sort of do something similar, but do it in a little more kind of an emotionally oriented way, which is more spending some time on your on your on your feelings related to this, it more into sort of an emotionally focused realm. Um, you can, and that falls into a couple of different categories. Um, you you can certainly do that in like a more psychodynamic psychotherapy. You can do that in a in a in a more schema therapy. 
Um, you want to be thinking about these experiences, processing the feelings on them, reprocessing them in another way. And you could do something like that with a CBT model as well. So that's sort of an underlying concept that you can get into with it. Um, probably my favorite is this thing called EMDR. I, I think EMDR is like the coolest thing ever. It's like magic. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. Um, it's essentially this really interesting idea that, that, that works really well where, where it, it, when, you're, when you're following this set of movements with your eyes that the therapist is helping guide you on, that that seems to do something that allows you and maybe dissociates you a little bit, which means it's sort of like your mind and body feel a little bit disconnected in a way that allows you to sort of access what was upsetting to you in, in a way that it, it can be a little bit decoupled and you can sort of re-experience it um, in, in, in a matter where the traumatic memory seems to not have the same power over you that it, it, it did before. Um, it's, I mean, I have to say again, it's sort of like magic, right? Cause you're literally just watching someone move their finger around and your, your eyes are following them while you're engaging in psychotherapy. But it, it's, it's actually super, super, super effective. We just hired someone in my practice that, that that's like the main thing that she does. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been really great to have that as an opportunity for people. What is the science behind it? Or is it magic? I mean, it's not magic. Um, the science behind it is, is, is thinking that when you engage in these EMDR techniques that you are accessing some sort of neurological thing at a more basic level. Um, I think of it like a backdoor to your mind um, that allows you to sort of almost like with a cheat code, like access things that are otherwise not accessible. That's how I would sort of explain it. Um, and that by doing that, you're sort of, you're, 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 you're maybe creating like a dissociated state, which is interesting because that's another thing that we're using a lot with ketamine assisted psychotherapy, which is not something that has been, that is not considered a mainstream trauma treatment at the moment, but is kind of like a growing, exciting area of, of trauma treatment. Um, it's, it's a really exciting thing that we kind of stumbled upon uh, in the early 2000s, they got this idea that uh, ketamine seemed to relieve depressive symptoms and suicidality. These guys, uh, John Crystal, I think at Yale, kind of came up with this. And then um, it was originally thought of as, can we use this for people that are acutely suicidal? Because a lot of times, um, you know, in, in psychiatric evaluations, you end up with people that are in the emergency room. And they're, they're, they're acutely suicidal. And you're like, well, what can we do for them other than hold them here? It's like, like for safety purposes, which isn't really therapeutic, right? Like it's really more of like a, a stopgap. Um, and so they were thinking that, you know, can this be used to sort of get people feeling better more quickly than like an antidepressant or psychotherapy that's not going to work quickly. Um, and then it's increasingly been found uh, to be integrated into psychotherapy. And one of the cool things that they've shown so like if you, if you, and this has been really seen well in like rodent models, like if you take a, got these poor like mice, they like stress the mice out like crazy. Um, and then they give some of them ketamine and you like look at their brains after 
And you can see the ones that got the ketamine actually regrow neurons in their brain. The ones that didn't get it don't. Because like stress trauma, for instance, like it's going to cause that that kind of like retreat of your brain is highly associated with depression. Um, and that's super cool. Like I'm, I'm 39. So like when I was in high school, I was definitely taught that the brain is not able to regrow in any way. And like, that is wrong. Like neurons can actually regrow and that we actually have some stuff that seems to be associated with, with improving that regrowth. Um, so the, the ketamine assisted psychotherapy, which is kind of my other favorite after, after EMDR, um, can be combined, which is one of the things I like about it with any number of other psychotherapies, because the idea behind it is two things. There's one is like the one where we're using it to try to rapidly improve depressive symptoms. That first thing I was talking about, um, which is already a fairly low dose of it compared to its original use, which is anesthesia. Then in a psychotherapy model, you can give an even smaller amount, very, very, very little often will give it like a little intramuscular injection. And a lot of times the patients don't even feel anything. They, they report that they don't feel any different. It seems to sort of like lower your defenses, lower the sort of like barriers and walls and shields that we all have up that, you know, make us guarded, that make it hard to talk about things, to share things, to be in touch with things. The lower that just a little bit, so that when you actually try to engage in a psychotherapy, it's it's uh, it seems to facilitate progress in a psychotherapy much more quickly, um, and 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 also that you're able to sort of think about things differently and like reframe them. So like in going back to some of these other therapies, like you know if you if you have a let's say you were in a relationship with someone. It was a really unhealthy relationship. And at the time, you know, you maybe didn't realize that you stayed in that relationship for a long time. You know, you, you now realize, or you're trying to wrap your head around the idea often that, that this was not a good relationship for you, but that it's left you with certain scars. Now you can start thinking about it in a different way and, and, and accepting the idea maybe that, um, the relationship wasn't healthy, that there were things that this person did to you that were unkind, um, uh, that were hurtful, that were manipulative, um, that, that took advantage of you. You're able to sort of accept that, understand that, and then hopefully if we move further along that process and start to say, okay, well, yes, that happened to me. And, you know, I, 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 I realized that that was a negative experience for me and that was really painful. Um, but actually, I, I'm not going to let that dictate my life that i'm gonna be able to think about this in a different way i'm gonna go i'm I'm gonna be able to be open and vulnerable with another person again but i'm gonna be more mindful of of how they might interact with me that this isn't gonna define me that that there are other relationships that might be helpful or 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 wonderful and rewarding and 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 there are kind people out there that can can be part of my life again so i've been doing this show for a while i get a lot of requests from people to be on our Q&A episodes. And there's something called spiritual bypassing in like spiritual communities where people don't go through their problems. They're dancing around their problems. So I see a lot of people making requests of 
a lot of different types of therapies, and I'm doing a quote, like air quotes here, uh, of I don't know what these things are. So are there certain types of um, quote unquote therapies that people are peddling that are like a form of spiritual bypassing, if, if that makes sense. So you're, 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 you're thinking of the term spiritual bypassing as uh, uh, like a problematic. Yes. Uh, as a, as a problematic framing of this. Okay. So, wow. All right. So like, there's like, I feel like there's like a Pandora's box that I'm, I'm trying not to open entirely. Cause like, we don't we don't have like six weeks to talk about <laughs> um uh so many so many thoughts on this i'm trying to sort of pull them together so be- because the thing um, that we don't want is people to be re-traumatized and we want people to go through what's happened in a trauma-informed way to to, to do our best to send people in the right direction so they don't get into the hands of the wrong people that's why I'm asking this question to you because you're qualified to answer this question. Yeah. And so, so Pandora's box, go open it. Let's, 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 let me give you the shortest version answer. Um, a significant amount of effort has been put into uh, using good scientific, rigorous methods, demonstrate efficacies of psychotherapy. Historically, psychotherapy was, you know, was, was, people were very judgmental of it. They thought the whole thing was voodoo. Um, and so a lot of effort has been put in to say what things have science to back them. Um, and everything we talked about today has science back it. Like you can go onto Google Scholar and you can use these terms and look them up and you'll see that people have run studies demonstrating that the stuff is effective. Um, so the short answer is like, that's the, that, like, if there's, you know, there's something you want to go after, you want to be looking for uh, an evidence base is the term that we use in the field um, is really where you want to be going. That said, uh, it's important to remember that um, healing from these things is, is, is probably a little more complicated than that. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of, uh, work done on the idea that at its core success in any psychotherapy uh, is, is really related to the relationship that you have with the therapist and that the relationship in and of itself is healing and that the individual modalities um, are sort of facilitating that. Um, but the dynamic is helpful, which brings to another idea um, just starting to get into the Pandora's box, which is this idea of like drift that occurs in psychotherapy. So I, I always encourage people to be mindful of this when they're in psychotherapy. You know, like what are you actually doing in psychotherapy? You should know what type of psychotherapy that you're in. Um, your your therapist should be able to describe that in some kind of thoughtful way. And it should feel like you have a plan and a track that you're on. Um, as opposed to when drift starts to happen where, um, and, you know, you may have started someplace that, that was reasonable, but the, the therapy has drifted into something else or, or not anything clearly in there. And, and that's where I worry, as it sounds like you do, about the therapy 
the worst being re-traumatizing um, um, on a softer side, just being not particularly helpful. Right. And, and which is actually dangerous in and of itself. Cause if you go to treatment with a mental health person and you're doing things that aren't helpful for you or aren't targeting what you need help with, or that in and of itself is problematic because it leaves you feeling that there isn't anyone to help you, right? You put all this effort into something and it's not getting you anywhere. And so you may leave it thinking there is nothing that can help me. There is no one that can help me. I am in fact, uh, like powerless in this situation, um, rather than it realizing that, that it, it may not be that you're in, you may not be getting the kind of treatment that's actually going to be helpful for you. So when we think of a trauma-informed therapist, you know, how have things changed and what should we be thinking or looking for now? Not that long ago, there was probably a larger population of mental health clinicians that, that I think had less um, experience thinking about people's struggles with trauma in mind, like being able to think about it in that kind of lens. And therefore, maybe we're not engaging in as validating a space around that. Um, And I think that that's probably, to me, the most basic definition of that. Um, And I think one level higher would be an evidence-based trauma treatment. So are you you trained and experienced in doing something trauma-focused CBT, EMDR, um, um, any of these treatments that, that, that have a scientific basis for them. And those all have built into them that they are, they are trauma informed. So one of the goals of this therapy, which is supposed to be a collaborative effort between therapist and client is as we stated to not re-traumatize the client, the person that's being traumatized, but I know you feel strongly about empowerment. So tell us more of your thoughts on this. I think empowerment is really, really important because I think trauma is an inherently, it creates an inherent sense of powerlessness for people. But how do you validate people in a way that helps them develop stronger resilience um a more stable sense of self and self-esteem because those things are typically rattled and and sort of cracked open by trauma and what i think a bit of what the show does the show does if i really think about empowerment and i really just haven't really thought about it a lot until just now I think we try to get people to understand their stories a bit more and the trauma that's occurred. And, you know, I guess knowledge is empowering. And then within our stories, we hear a lot of people figuring out, you know, how to take their power back whether it be saying no for the first time, setting boundaries, retaking up hobbies that they once liked that they weren't allowed to do, or just, you know, finding out who 
they are again. And I think we are helping facilitate um, the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially, you know, in controlling your life and, and like claiming your rights back. However, I think, you know, empowerment might be a privileged thing because when we're talking about getting therapy or support, we have to discuss inequality and specifically financial because that's a big barrier to leaving a relationship when it's an abusive relationship. It's also a big barrier as far as getting help when it comes to trauma in the aftermath. And if you're having financial issues and you were talking about empowerment, you know, right there, your empowerment can be taken away because the system as a whole isn't set up for you. Yep. Huge problem. It's, it's hard to get access, 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 access. Huge, 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 huge problem. And because and, and, it's expensive, right? Like mental health treatment is so expensive. It's, it's time consuming. Um, so it's not just the money. It's also like, you know, I'm a single mom, you know, living uh, uh, in Washington Heights, an area here in New York. You know, and, uh, you know, you want me to come in, uh, I, I have, I have insurance. I'm, I'm on a state funded insurance. I could get an appointment. I have an appointment at Columbia university with great people, but that appointment is, uh, it's in the middle of the day. And I, I have like a job that it, like many jobs that I can't just leave once or twice a week, um, in the middle of the day for hours and and go to my treatment so even if even if there isn't the financial barrier from the literally like the treatment cost there's these like logistical barriers you know so linked to financial ones um access is such a problem such a problem for people and that's why i think like shows like this and and other podcasts that are in the same vein, even though they are not a replacement for trauma therapy at all. This isn't therapy. It is a validation and it is a way to get a sense of empowerment. And there are also support groups out there like our support group that we have, which is peer run to get that validation and get some empowerment from fellow survivors as well as other options that are not therapy options when it comes to feeling empowered and and getting that feeling uh, back. Books can be involved in in that as well, specifically when it comes to real knowledge-based stuff and gaining knowledge of situations. We use examples from the book uh, by Lundy Bancroft. Why does he do that all the time? And, you know, knowledge is, is a big way to get power and empowerment back. So, you know, with all that being said and everything we've done today, what else is, you know, going on with you, uh, your practice? Tell us everything uh, before we leave today. Um, my interests are uh, currently, I'm at, I'm at Columbia University. And I'm a research professor there. And then I, uh, 
I, I direct a private clinic uh, called Integrative Psych in, in Chelsea, um, where we have a lot of trauma-focused therapies, like we were discussing earlier, um, for individuals both doing psychopharm, lifestyle changes, um, and uh, psychotherapies and behavioral changes. And that can be found at integrative dash or sorry hyphen psych.org. So, Dr. Ryan Sultan, I really want to thank you for being our guest here today, today and talking about all things trauma. I learned a lot and I really can't thank you enough uh, for being here and educating me and our whole entire community. So, a big, big thank you for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a stimulating conversation for me, too. So once again, thank you, Dr. Sultan, for being a guest on our show today. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also at our website, we have a support group. So if you need support, we have a support group at our website. Go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Click the support group button at the top of the page. Inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. It is a wonderful group of people on there, and you can make a lot of friends too. So if you need support, join our support group today. And we have friends of the show called Shelter Movers. And everyone, Shelter Movers can be found at sheltermovers.com. And what they do is they try to help you move all of your stuff from your home and into storage. So if you're someone that is in a course of control situation, domestic violence situation, and you need to get all of your things out of your home, uh, sheltermovers.com can help you. And they can do this for your pets and livestock too. So if you're trying to get out of domestic violence and course of control, you need help leaving your home, then sheltermovers.com can help you. And they are currently only in Canada, and it is a donor-supported charitable organization. So if you need help from them or just want to donate to them, go to sheltermovers.com. And then when it comes to another support, if you go to domesticshelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of everything that you're dealing with. They have every phone number and email address, web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you're in. Domesticshelters.org has it there. So if you need extra support, please go to domesticshelters.org. And that is it for today's episode. So I hope you found it helpful. And from myself and Dr. Sultan, we hope you have a good night.